Welcome to The Courage Effect. I'm Suzanne Weller, and this is a show about growth and unleashing what's possible. You will hear inspiring stories about what courage looks like, how we navigate what's getting in our way, and the opportunities that surface when we choose courage over comfort. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. It's Suzanne. I am so thrilled to have you at today's show. Today's show is somebody that I am very lucky to call a friend. And she is somebody that I knew of her work before I even knew her as a woman. And I'm sure that you have actually seen her work and maybe you are not aware of that. And she is somebody who is a photographer. She has covered some of the most preeminent events in the world, sporting events in particular, such as the Olympics, the World Series, Super Bowl, NBA Finals, US Open, World Cup, Final Four, all of these things. And she is, I mean, just quite to say, like, she is a badass. She is somebody who is a bit of a hero of mine. I have so much respect for her, and I'm thrilled to have her here today. My guest today is Elsa. Elsa is known in the industry by first name only, and she has the distinct honor of being the first woman staff photographer at Getty Images. Famous for capturing defining moments, bringing her vision to collegiate and professional sporting events all over the world. For nearly three decades in the industry, Elsa's genuine passion for bearing witness to some of the greatest moments in sports remains as potent as ever, whether during the regular season or the finals. Still reveling in her dream job, she approaches each assignment with creativity, compassion, and confidence, always searching for pinnacle moments of athleticism, beauty, and emotion to share with the world. Elsa, it is wonderful to have you here. Welcome to The Courage Effect. Thanks for having me. It's uh, honor is all mine. I was I was amazed when you, you asked me to, to uh, talk to you today, so I'm excited. So thank you. Well, it's wonderful to shine a spotlight on you, somebody that is usually on the other side of the camera. And one of the things that I love about, I mean, your work is amazing. And I love hearing your story because you are a woman in a creative industry and in a male dominated industry. So I would love to, for you to talk a little bit about finding photography, falling in love when you were in high school and really having the courage to strike that path to do it professionally. So talk to us a little bit about that. Well, so you would think that I grew up as a sport fan or a sport junkie, not the case. Um, my family was not into it at all. And I didn't really know much about photography or even think it of it as a creative outlet um, until I took a class in, in ninth grade. And obviously that was in, you know, the, the mid eighties, you know, mid to late eighties, um, you know, cause I graduated high school in the nineties and um it was film, it was manual focus, it was manual exposure, all these kind of tactile technical things that were kind of cool to me. Um, and it turns out that the photography teacher was also the science teacher and also the yearbook advisor. And so he had asked some of us if we'd be interested in maybe shooting a football game. And I thought, ah, what the heck, you know, I didn't really know much about it or or really care much about it until I, I shot my first game. And then I thought, okay, this is pretty interesting. And what I was fascinated as I went through high school um, was that my friends that I kind of, or people that I became friends with were athletic and I was not. And so, or just that just wasn't my, my path. So it was a way for me to share that experience with them by covering their games. And what I loved about sport was it, it was always something different. Um, it was not, it was not easy. And that's what I loved about it. It was like capturing those moments. I really had to be hyper-focused and it, it really helps, you know, helps me kind of stay into the game and I tune out all the noise around me, which, you know, in hindsight, that I learned that that is 
something that I really enjoy about, about sport. But um, through high school, there was this program. Um, we had a mentorship program when I was a sophomore in high school. And I grew up in a really small town in northern Minnesota. And if I said it, you'll probably start quoting Fargo. So I'm, you know, I did grow up in Brainerd, Minnesota. Oh yeah. And um, but um, there's a, a program that paired students with professionals in the industry that they were, you know, with career paths they were thinking of. And so there were maybe three photographers in town. There were a couple of studio portrait wedding photographers, and then there was the newspaper photographer. The newspaper photographer was the one that agreed to it. And so obviously sports were a lot of it because I was in school all day. So nights and weekends were when I could shadow him and shoot pictures. And so we did that for about a month. And after that, I ended up getting a part-time job at the, the town paper when I was a sophomore in high school. And so I started covering these events for the paper. Um, and I thought, yeah, that was really great. Um, I didn't know that that could be a bigger career job um, or a career opportunity, I guess. I thought that, well, if, I don't need to go to college to do this. Why would I, you know, I should pick something else. So I, I picked an architecture major and I went to the University of Minnesota. And within the first semester, I was working for the athletic department. I was working for the Associated Press um, and freelancing for the papers around. And I was like, why am I trying to be something that I'm not clearly interested in? And so I switched majors, switched schools, went to the University of Missouri um, and, and got into their school of journalism. and. Um, just kind of sprung from there. I always figured that I would work at a newspaper and do a mix of news, sports, portraits, whatever. And I didn't really think about specializing in sport until um, I got to college. And, um, you know, I just, I did a few internships and there was one internship in particular at a magazine that doesn't really exist anymore called the Sporting News. And it, I got to travel a little bit and shoot sport. And so I, I saw that this career path was possible. I saw Sports Illustrated photographers that I met along the way. Um, I met photographers that worked for this company called All Sport, which was later bought by Getty Images. And I saw that this was possible. This is cool. This is the dream that I want to live. And I come back to school and uh, an, an older or a, a fellow classmate of mine uh, told me point blank that chicks can't shoot sports. And I was like, oh, really? Let me tell you, nothing motivates me more than spite. And um so maybe I have built this career out of spite. I don't know. But I was just like, it, it was interesting to me that growing up in a small town in northern Minnesota, you know, I didn't, I wasn't given those uh, sort of parameters that were put on girls and women, I think, in the, the 80s and the 90s. Um, so I felt like I could do anything. And I pretty much went after whatever it is I wanted to do, whether it was play a musical instrument, whether it was, you know, pursue photography, whatever it was. I just kind of chased my dreams and didn't look back. and. It wasn't until I got to college where I started getting that resistance of like, no, 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 this is not what women and girls are supposed to do. And I was like, well, why? Says who? You know, and so it took it took me by surprise a little bit. And then um, once I went into the real world, it, uh, you know, got a little more intense as far as what people expected women and girls to do and what boxes and labels people were putting you in. And um, so that that was my first real kind of bit challenge started in college when you know some guy says you can't choose sports because you're a chick you know <laughs> and then segue that into a career and you're like you're looking at on an nfl sideline and you're the only woman on the field that's not part of the cheer squad or medical staff and you're like okay i'm a little outnumbered here what's happening so such a great story i mean and i love the fact that you were like that he said that to you and that you were just like okay bring it yes yeah. <laughs> 
nothing, nothing's a, you know, spite is a great motivator. I'm not going to lie, you know? (laughs) And I think in anything, if someone says, oh, you can't do that. You're like, oh, really? Watch me. And then, and I think, you know, that it's, it becomes less about like taking risks and courage and be like, I'm going to show you, you know, you get ticked off and you're like, all right, you know, who are you to say that I can't do what I want to do? Well, and it's so interesting too that I mean, I I love that you had the teacher, right? I mean, like the the, the really took you under his wing in high school, and that you that you learned the craft, and then that you went to school for something that you know you're like what I should do or what I feel like I ought to do, um, and that you really sort of blew yourself up. But how sad that when you got to college, that's when you really felt like you were being boxed in, because usually I think for a lot of women that's really when we're we're sort of blossoming and that's when we get exposure to the broader universe and it sounds like it was actually a little bit different for you it was and and the friends of mine that went to different universities pursued different majors had a completely opposite experience like it was empowering for them mm-hmm. and you know they saw all these opportunity you know presented to them and for me it was like well you know you could do this but you know you're not really supposed to do that and that kind of surprised me. And it, it took a, a beat to kind of figure out, okay, am I crazy for thinking that I can do this or, you know, or even wanting to try and continue to pursue it. And um, it just, you know, one of those that you just got to put one foot in front of the other and be like, all right, I can do this. I'm going to prove this. You know, there's a pathway. I can see it. And um, I just uh, wasn't going to be deterred, shall we say. It sounds like you didn't even have any doubts. It sounds like you were just like, okay, here we go. And was it yeah. like that? Or were you, were you afraid? Um, I think it was like that. I didn't have any doubts. I'm like, here you go. And it, I didn't really, the doubts didn't come in until I left college and started my career. I think that's when more of the doubts started kicking in. Um, I'd gotten this job and I moved to Los Angeles. Um, so I go from like, you know, this is the biggest city I'd ever been in, you know, and I drove out there like driving in LA was, uh, that I think was more terrifying than actually trying to pursue this career, honestly. <laughs> so I, I figured if, if I could, if I could survive the 101, I think I could survive anything, honestly. So uh, bring it is, is kind of what I thought at first. Um, but it was, it was kind of surprising the level of resistance that I encountered when I um, started this, this job. I, I got a little of it when I was an intern at the sporting news, like they sent me to the AFC championship game and um, was it 90, um, 96, 95? Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was the, uh, Steelers Colts and the Steelers one who went to Super Bowl to play Dallas that year. I'm trying to remember what, which one that was. That was kind of my, my first, uh, championship series or a game. And, uh, it was, it was in Pittsburgh. It was at the old, it was at the old three river stadium before they built the new place. And, uh, you know, it was at the end of the match, they, they had the barricades up, they had the stage up and they're passing the AFC championship trophy to the head coach. And I had a pretty straight head on sort of position. And next thing I knew I was thrown to the ground and some guy jumped in my spot. But as I was like, I had a ponytail and he just like grabbed me by the ponytail, threw me to the ground and said, move it girly. And I'm just like, what is happening here? And um, so you, you find another, you know, another place. It was, it was a, a television, uh, I think a network guy. Cause it had like, he had a, a pack. He wasn't cable like the typical television guys. And so not super proud of it, but I did unscrew his cable from his pack and threw it and ran. So, um, you know, I was 20. What do you Deservedly so. Let me just Deservedly say. Deservedly I mean, say, yeah. That's violent. That's not even just disrespectful. I mean, that's that's horrible on so many levels. So um, 
we need there to cut to a break. Okay. Yes. No well, worries. thank you for sharing that story. I mean, it's horrifying, but I love that you you kept going and that you did what you needed to do to make sure that you were staking your claim and staking that space. So let's take a break for a quick minute. I'd love to come back and hear a little bit more stories about maybe some some of the challenges that you experienced and how you really tapped into that courage in your professional career. So we will be right back. This is Suzanne. You're listening to The Courage Effect. Stay tuned. Hey everybody, it's Suzanne from The Courage Effect. As the seasons changed, I poked into my closet and discovered how stale my wardrobe had become. Everything felt boring and I wanted something different and fresh. I grabbed my laptop and remembered Armoire. Why not clothing rental? I could experiment with new styles from jeans to something fancy without spending a ton of money and buying clothes I would only wear a handful of times. Armoire makes clothing rental easy. Build a perfect seasonal wardrobe with brands that are unique, sustainably sourced, and owned by women. All you have to do is take the style quiz, select items from your personalized closet, and they will ship them straight to your door. Armoire allows me to indulge in high quality designer clothing with no guilt. They promote sustainability with fewer items ending up in the donation bag and landfill, and no dry cleaning fees. Trust me, your cramp closet and the environment will thank you. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, you must try Armoire. And right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style. That's A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash the courage effect to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Easy on the ears, good for the soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to The Courage Effect. This is Suzanne Weller, and I'm here with my guest, Elsa, who is a sports photographer whose work you have undoubtedly seen online, TV, newspapers all over the world. Um, also one of the things that has really blown me away about you is that you really are a survivor. And this is one of the things that, I mean, when we worked together, I saw that in you. Um, and just the story that you, that you told about somebody literally, you know, yanking you by your ponytail to get your position at a game, which is just horrifying to me. But there are obviously a lot of forces that you're dealing with on a daily basis. You're really making sure that, you know, you're, you've got that gumption, you've got whatever you need to, to get the shot and to do your work effectively, especially in an industry where you have not necessarily been the norm. So talk to us a little bit about that. Talk to us about starting in that in that industry and maybe some of the, the challenges that you experienced outside of just outright horrible things happening to you at games. Well, I think, you know, you can speak to any woman that is in, in a professional setting of any kind, any career path, and you you run up against a different set of rules that are, are meant exclusively for you on, on what you can and can't do. And certainly when you're working uh, in a sports venue, you know, if you're, there's not a lot of women around and um, you know, you're, you become an easy target with other photographers with security staff because they feel like, Oh, well, you're less than I am. So, you know, I can, I can, I can target you. I can, I can take my aggressions out on you. And so a way that I combated that in, in kind of the early age was I would kind of shrink myself and try and make myself less visible. And so by by that, I meant 
you know, I wouldn't, not that I dressed really flashy anyway, but I certainly kind of channeled my inner 14 year old skater, I guess. And, uh, was gray hoodies, jeans, like, you know, just very, you know, not, I didn't wear a lot of makeup anyway, but certainly wasn't doing any of that while I was working. Um, you know, sneakers just try to be as fly in the wall as possible. So if no one saw me, then no one would bother me. And that was a way of protecting myself um, mm. from from some kind of, you know, harassment, I guess. <laughs> and uh, whether it was, you know, from other photographers or other media members or just, you know, support staff, um, just it, it's one of those things is like if when you stick out, you're you're easy to, to pick on. And so I was trying to blend in as much as I could. Um, just so I could do my job. And um, and that seemed to work for a, a good bit of my time. Um, but it, it gets exhausting and it's stressful when you feel like you can't be yourself. You you have to shrink in and to fit into some mold and you're you're not able to, at least I felt like as a photographer, I couldn't make any mistakes because I always felt I had this target on my back because every little thing that I did wrong, I felt could be held against me to leave me off the next event. And so I yeah. felt like I always had to be perfect. And when you have that pressure on yourself day in and day out, it wears on you. And then you start to second guess yourself. You, you know, the imposter syndrome kicks in of like, do I really belong here? Is this something I need to do? And I got to tell you, I've nearly quit this job, this career path about three times. I could say, I could distinctly say three times where I was like, you know what, maybe this is not for me. And then I, I think about it and I was like, no, wait a second. Why do I have to quit something that I love just because somebody else has an issue with it? You know, it's just like, it's, it's not on me to make them comfortable. And so I'm going to carry on and, and do what I love and go after those moments that I, I love to photograph. And I'm not going to let anyone tell me otherwise. And, but that's really hard. It's an exhausting and it wears on you. And you just, you question everything. And I think that was what I really struggled with for many years in kind of like the early to middle part of my career. Once you, yeah. you kind of get into it and you just, you see the resistance, um, whether it's like, you know, telling you know, getting told where you can and cannot work or, or how you work. Um, it just, it, it took a lot for me to kind of keep going. I, I, I'm not going to lie, but it just, I knew I was very strong in my resolve and my that I knew that this is what I love to do. I'm really great at it. You know, I can't, I can't let, I can't carry the load of their other people's issues with me being there. And that was a really hard and long sort of lesson to learn or, or place to come to. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that I've stuck it out so far. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. I feel like it's, so am it's I. finally, so, finally I'm, so is the world. <laughs> getting into a place where I, I feel like, you know, I could actually do my job now after 27 years of doing this job. Now I feel like, okay, now I can do what I'm supposed to do instead of having to fight for everything. Cause it's exhausting when everything is a fight. Yeah, completely. Well, and one of the things too, is that I know that, you know, you, you've said that the older you get, the less nonsense you're willing to put up with, but, but it's, I wonder for you, when you went through that, when, when the imposter syndrome was creeping in and to you, for you to basically, you know, start to step away from that and not carry the load of other people's expectations or whatever that was, what were the things that helped you to do that? Well, I think, um, certainly, um, a lot of our conversations helped me out and, you know, uh, you know, three years ago when, um, you know, we started working together, at least um, 
on trying to figure out, okay, how can I shift my mindset to um, not let those, that negative talk creep in. And it used to be a defense mechanism. And, and that's, I think it's a lot for a lot of people. It's like, okay, I'm going to hurt me before you can hurt me. So then, then, you know, I'll be fine. And that only works for so long. And I think it's easier if you just look at it as like, I just need to keep going and just put one foot in front of the other. You know, it's just, it's too daunting when you're looking at like the big picture and you see, okay, I want to do this, this big thing. I don't know how to get there. Well, the way you get there is one small step at a time. And you just kind of build on, you know, every little problem that you solve, you learn something. And when you, you learn from that, you just, you just keep building and you keep growing up. And um, I think then when it gets to those bigger choices that you have to make, it, it's easier because she's like, well, I've already made all these really hard ones and I've survived fine. So I'm just going to carry on and keep going. But it's, you have to have the confidence in yourself um, that you can do the task at hand, whether it's, you know, a, a career path or if it's, um, you know, making some other hard decisions, I guess. Um, yeah. It's, I think confidence and courage are, are, are linked a bit for, at least for me. Um, I think having that confidence to know that you have the ability to do what you want to do and what you love is going to give you that courage to carry on. I love that. Well, and just the, what is just, I'm, you're emanating how much you love your work. Yes, it is. I mean, it is kind of a dream job. And I mean, I I get a front row seat to some of the biggest moments in sport history. Like who doesn't love that? You know, like, I mean, it's pretty cool, but it's also a lot of responsibility. Like if I I can't just like sit there, you know, at the world series and in a photo pit, just like, Oh, wow, that was a cool moment. You know, I need to, I need to capture it. (laughs) So, um, but I, I think it's, um, and building on that and like, okay, it's not only about getting the game defining moments, but also the quieter ones too. And so for me, I'm always yeah. looking around at, at every aspect what, of whatever match I'm covering. And, and just what I love about it is every day is something different, even though I could, let's say have five baseball games in a row at the same stadium. Well, the play is different. The weather's different. Everything's different. And so that keeps me engaged, you know, and I think Sometimes I'll I'll do a challenge to myself, like, well, I'm only going to shoot with this lens today. Let's see what happens, you know, um, and, and try and push myself to to do things that I I haven't really done before. So um, that's great. Yeah. Well, and it's also I don't I think a lot of people don't understand, and I know I didn't before I worked in the industry of photography. It was how much work it takes to actually create this this content. So it's not just about you being an amazing photographer and honing your craft over the years. But it's all of the gear that you have to invest in and schlep around with you all over the place and all of the relationships and the people that are the broader support that help to make this happen. The travel. I mean, I remember talking to you during COVID when you had to go up to Canada and you were isolated for 10 days in a hotel room, right? Before you could cover a hockey game. Oh, yeah. I was in I was in the hockey bubble in Toronto and, um, you know, it was a 50-50 chance of whether or not I was going to get past the customs in Toronto. But Thankfully I did. And I went straight to the hotel and I check in and they're like, oh, you're here early. Your room's not ready. We just got to cram you in some room. You know, it was COVID. And so I initially for my 14 day quarantine had a nice balcony room. You know, I thought this is going to be great. And they're like, no, you're just going to be in this little corner room um, (laughs) that's smaller for 14 days. And man, you know, that first day when I was out, I walked all over the place, (laughs) you know, but it was, it was definitely interesting. Um, You know, a lot of people don't realize how much equipment I carry. So when I went to 
the World Cup in Australia, I traveled with three bags of gear that I checked and then my bag of clothes and then I had another bag of carry-on gear. So a lot of it is, you know, I do some remote camera work, um, like in the in the goal at at soccer, I'll put a camera behind the the, the net there. If I'm shooting NBA, sometimes I'll put a, a remote behind the the backboard. And so it's all that extra equipment that you carry that's is quite heavy. And so I think being on top of, um, you know, I do a lot of Pilates that really helps my back. I think it's a lot of a lot of, you know, equipment to carry that. And that was another thing that, uh, you know, some people would say, oh well, you know, women can't carry all that stuff. I'm like, you can put it all on a cart and carry it. It's not a big deal. So just let me be. <laughs> um, but it's also a lot of we travel like athletes. It's like a lot of nights and weekends, and yeah. you are. You know, I'm getting to the arena five hours before the match, typically, you know, and that's and then you're staying there an hour or two after. So it's a long day. Yeah, it is a long day. One of my favorite things to do is that my husband, Tom, who is a big Eagles football fan, and uh, we watch I watch football with him quite a bit. I love the end of the game when all of the everybody rushes the field and I look for your ginger hair. <laughs> yes. Like, Where's Elsa? So I'm always like finding you. So like Tom's looking at the players and the coaches and I'm like, I don't care. I'm looking for Elsa. <laughs> That's what my friends did too. And then I started when it's, uh, yeah, I used to live in Boston. I, you know, shot a lot uh, of games in new England. And uh, when I was there, certainly uh, the Patriots were in a better position than they are now. Um, but I'd wear like, it's a bright pink hat. So then, you know, my friends could see me on TV. And so it was kind no of obnoxious, hoodies. but yeah, you know, it was just like, okay, I can wear my gray jacket, but I'm wearing a bright colored hat. So you could find me pretty easily. And even like at the Super Bowl, I get texts, you know, like, oh, I see you. Yeah, yeah there you are. <laughs> so it's kind of fun. Actually, it's it's a good where's where's Elsa instead of where's Waldo, you know, that my friends <laughs> that my friends play when they're watching big games on television. Yes. Well, I love that you have really, you know, anchored in your courage over over time. I know that it has been challenged, but I'm so glad that you have blazed your own trail and that you, that you continue to. And you also are doing that in, with other women too. You are very much an advocate. You're supporting, you know, women in sports photography, which I follow on Instagram, which is awesome. Um, but you are, I know, you know, doing presentations at Getty Images for the women that work there. You're very much about the larger lift. So women, women supporting women. So I also want to recognize you for that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I think it's, you know, the, the, the thing is like, if you, you break down a barrier and you, you are able to break, break through a door, leave that door open and bring more with you. You know, it's kind of like how I've always felt. And um, yes. I think there are so few of us in the sport industry, but it is getting a lot better. I mean, there are a lot of women team photographers now that there weren't even 10 years ago. And it's really great to see um, I work here in New York and the Jets have um, at least three women on their staff, maybe more, but I, th there's three that I see regularly. And so it's really cool to think that when I started, you know, 27 years ago, because my work anniversary at um, Getty Images is November 11th. And to think like, you know, me being the only woman on staff for about 10 years at this company versus now when you go to a game and it's not 50-50, but we're getting close. I think, you know, I I feel like there's there's bigger numbers now, and especially in bigger markets like New York, Los Angeles, you know, Chicago, um, there are a lot more women that are doing sport and it's really tremendous. So Elsa, thank you so much for being here. I know your website, elsagarrison.com. It will be on the Courage Effect website for people to get in touch with you if they'd want. Thank you for asking why not. Thank you for continuing to blaze the trail. Thank you. Thank you for 
you know, encouraging all of us to keep going. It's wonderful to have you in the world. It's wonderful to have you in my life. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And you're going to make me cry because it's wonderful for having you in my life. I mean, I think, you know, um, my, my lasting advice would be is to, um, I just keep your, your strength about you and, and keep your courage up and carry on. Beautiful. Thank you, Elsa. Thank you everybody for listening. Stay courageous.